Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of the Pirate Rugby Pod. And thank you to our 104 YouTube subscribers. For those of you uh, here for the rugby chat, we have plenty of that planned over the next week as both Hugh and I head to France to take in a game. And those of you here for shorts of Kiss of the Cat, those will keep coming too. Uh, as uh, audio listeners, listeners may have noticed uh, at the beginning of the podcast, we now have adverts, and that's because we are now part of the Sports Social Network. Uh, this means uh, nothing will really change uh, from the point of view of the audio listeners, apart from you'll be getting adverts every now and again. We hope that's OK. Uh, but it also means that now you can get us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if anybody would rather listen to us on Apple, uh, you find it more accessible there. Please jump over if you could give us a, a review and a five star rating. Uh, that would be lovely. Uh, that really helps us out and to grow the show. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, nothing will change from from your point of view. And we hope that you keep enjoying the show um, as much as you have been. And yes, as Ender said, thank you to the 100 plus subscribers. That's really blown us away. Uh, so and finally, of course, jump over to our sub stack. The link will be in the description below. Uh, we will have uh, uh, long form written content in there uh, where you can uh, sign up completely for free. Put your email in and you'll get an email every time we drop a new piece of content. But now over to Ender to introduce our wonderful guest this evening. Yeah, so now that's out of the way, we're delighted to introduce um, our guest for the week. One of the busiest and most in-demand podcast guests in world rugby. The go-to man for anything related to rugby on the continent, Senor Francisco Isaac. Uh, uh Francisco, did I did I butcher that? Did I? Oh no, it was quite. Uh, it was very good. Yeah, boa noite. Yes, that's that's cool. Uh, so hello, thank you for for uh, inviting me. Um, and, and that's such such a big compliment in the beginning of the podcast. So I, I'm I don't know if I'm gonna be able to talk because now I am I'm I'll become so arrogant with that intro. <laughs> But thank you guys for, for inviting me in. I always wanted to be a pirate and arg matey. I'm one pirate from Portugal joining uh, some Welsh ones. Welsh and Irish. Don't don't tower end it with our Oh, beautiful. So coast, coastline pirates. It's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, so now, yeah. Great stuff. I just want to move on so to our, our usual start, which is talking about the, the moments of the week. Um I might let you start here if you if you want. Yeah, yeah. What was so your my, rugby my, moment of the week? My moment of the week was during the England versus Japan game where I had two uh uh England supporting friends uh, message me within minutes of each other saying that they hoped Japan won. That they didn't want England to win because they were hating watching the game so much. So that that kind of made me smile. It was two guys who don't know each other, completely independent of each other. One of whom was uh, my friend Jake, who I know listens. So shout out Jake, hope you're having a good day, mate. Um, yeah, so that 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 made me giggle. Uh, how about you, mate? What was your moment of the week? My moment of the week was I don't know, Francis, if you've seen this on OQ, you've definitely seen it, but it was Andy Farrell's press conference when he was asked about. Hansen again and whether why he was you know whether whether he was dropped for the last game or, or you know over a disciplinary issue or was he out on the on the beer the night before a game or something like that that was so basically he didn't make the squad um for uh was it the Romania game no it was the uh yeah it was the Tonga game he didn't make this yeah it was the Romania game yeah and he didn't make the squad and the rumor was that he was yeah there was some disciplinary issue 
Uh, it was denied from the outset, and then Faz was asked about it again in the press conference, and he got quite angry, shall we say. Uh, and, and then when Hansen came out to be interviewed, he was, of course, asked again, and Peter Romani stepped in. And I don't know if you've seen many clips of Peter Romani, but he gets he can, he can give you that look where he puts the fear of God into you, and I think he gave that to the journalist. But the journalist asked again, and uh thankfully Hansen kind of replied with the joke um and said that yeah there was a fight or whatever and then of course completely dismissed it and went on to talk about vaping and his friends his friends his friends drinking and vaping at 12 o'clock in the morning and how he yeah. found that tough to watch on the on snapchat but yeah, um but with, yeah. um, with with faz like andy farrell is a is a intimidating man and the way he just sat down in the press conference and looked around and went you and it's like oh my god that that yeah. that journalist must have absolutely crapped his pants um, but in terms of moments of the week, um, Francisco, you posted something on Twitter the other day about meeting mm-hmm. uh, someone in the airport, um, yeah. a rugby fan in the airport. Tell us about that. Well, if you let me, as, as my first and maybe only time in the podcast, I, can I have two moments of the week? Very quick. Of course you can. Not, okay, the first one is very quick. because It's one the cap, Fiji captain, Waisea uh, Nasivalu, if I'm saying the name right uh when I, they asked the coach the head coach of fgc if they were going to support wales in the upcoming australia wales wales match and well the captain just laughed and i think it's beautiful because it's genuine genuine uh, when you have someone doing that but the the, the moment of the week for me it was that because at 4 a.m or 3 a.m sorry uh you are not uh, ready to have the type of of not confrontation, but encounter with someone uh, that you didn't know uh, from a, from a other country, and we started talking. Uh, he he had he didn't have excellent English, and he the first thing he said is, "I don't speak good English," and I understood. But after one hour talking, he looked at me and said, "I you have a rugby World Cup? You work there? Yes, I work as a journalist. I went to the game tonight, and." I understood. We talked. Uh, you liked the game? Yes. Portugal, 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 or Portugal, Portugal, Portugal. Because and did you sing it? Yes, yes. I uh, loved it. Uh, big game. And then I continued, and he told me something that uh, really went inside of my heart and mind or spirit, whatever you want to call it, or soul, by saying that I had tickets for the World Cup at my home. But because of the hurricane, uh, we had to. Ca- uh, it was cancelled, so I could not miss it again. And I went. I came here on purpose to see Portugal against Wales. And then I asked, "Wait, when did you arrive? This morning, uh, 11 or 12 p.m." Uh, and I was like, "And you're leaving already?" Yes, I came just to see the match. And it yeah. it just shocked me and uh, I have an idea and that if I make it public no one can uh, 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 steal it from me it's one day I would like to write about this uh, about the heroes of rugby or rugby heroes because these people are the rugby heroes they can imagine the distance he made to come to Europe he came to have a vacation but one of the sole purpose of his vacation to Europe was to come and watch a Rugby World Cup match. And it was Portugal against Wales, which I think was perfect because uh, the, the stands were beautiful, all, all in red. That's not my color, but it worked for that match. And he just loved it f- from the first minute. He loved the Portuguese, he's a Welsh. And then 
after it, he just put his backpack on his back and just went to the airport to leave from Nice to go to Spain to catch a flight to, to Tokyo again. And if you want to explain to people what's Ravi outside of, uh, of the elitist community, and we know there's a lot, it's this. It's people who do go miles and miles and miles or kilometers or whatever you whatever your, is your, is your uh, well, your distance uh, metric. And I didn't cry, I won't go with that, but it shook me and I was quite happy because he enjoyed a great game on the World Cup and it was perfect for me. That's fantastic, absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, so, yeah, puts on a rugby uh, moments of the week to, to shame, I think you. But. Yeah, it does. But that's why we get these. <laughs> we that's why we get these wonderful guests on to come and share those things with us. <laughs> okay, guys. So let's uh, jump into the games of the weekend. Enzo, do you want to start us off, mate? Yeah, sure. So I think there's only one place to to start with, I guess. So um, you know, Wales v Portugal. Francisco, like, what were your, what were your thoughts on the game My... overall and and how it went? My my thoughts linger between two realms: the realm that Portu Portugal could have won it, and you have the proof. I think in the first half, if Portugal scored the four opportunities they had, the game could be different. I won't talk about the penalty kicks that Samar Marks missed missed with with a lot of thoughts because he was injured from the calf, and it was incredible how he almost played the full 80 minutes with uh, with which is a big injury in football or rugby because we need the legs to run. And, but those four opportunities, one of them was really chased, really well chased by Falatau, uh, was incredible moment because every, everyone always is sorry for the bad, for the cursing, shit on Falatau. And he showed again why he is, who he is. And there was another, some opportunities and there's then the realm of reality that Wales did what they had to do to win it. And I don't agree with the 10, 20 point margin, maybe seven, 10 for what happened in the game. And I think some people said Wales played ugly or played badly. And I agree at some extent, but you have to give merit to Portugal how they closed down Wales. I think the Welsh team didn't expect the physicality in the defense that the, Port the Lobos brought to the pitch. Uh, at some point, you could see it uh, as Combo Morgan a bit frustrated how the team couldn't win the game line, uh, which for any team is a must if you want to score tries or drive the team forward. What really helped Wales was the scrum. Uh, Portugal uh, didn't didn't break that much, but broke at the critical moments, and Wales took it, uh, those opportunities. And I think it's a loss. But look, whoever who would ever thought that Portugal would lose by 20 points against a good Wales uh, Welsh side? It wasn't the A team, but wasn't the worst ever team from Wales. And I think everyone in Portugal and from the TU2 nations should be happy with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, was it 25, 30 years ago, Wales put 100 points on Portugal? Uh, so next fire? year, 30 years. Yeah, and now look at us in the in the same pool at the World Cup and, and it's, it, it's a game that, like you said, Portugal have the opportunities. I think two things I want to ask you. There was one moment, I think it was in the first half, where... Um, Portugal off a line-out, uh, their 10 got the balls quite deep and chipped, and I think both centres chased after it. Is that mm -hmm. a quite typical Portugal 
tactic that they do a lot? Yes, normally we do it. Um, I think it's a mild copy for what the All Blacks did until like five years ago. Uh, so it's how Burton Barrett or Maunga, the, the, uh, Maunga, sorry, do it. So a cheap kick without any, anyone expecting and who follows is the centers. Um, most of Portugal's game or the way that we win the game line or we, we surprise everyone is the working force by the, the center. So if Appleton and Lima are injured or, um, or if a team can block them, Portugal will have less attacking uh, momentum or, or capacity and that was that is one of our, our techniques to to throw the game because everyone is expecting Marta or Storti or Basan Pintos Nunso get to follow the ball no one is expecting the two centers or even a flanker to do it and we normally do it and we have the units to, to, to work the, those type of tricks yeah and then the other question that I want to ask you is a question that I'm, I'm completely stealing from our friend Kalen, um, which is the try that Portugal scored. Mm -hmm. it, it, it turned out to be a <laughs> consolation in the end, but the way it came about and the kind of reaction of the players, does that moment sort of, is that bigger than the game and the result itself for you, for Portuguese rugby? I think so because um, look, for long for long periods of, of time in the match, oh, we had critical opportunities to score a try and we were missing something was not uh, going well and at some point i think the the stands were a bit desperate for a portuguese try and start thinking okay we are not going to, to score a try tonight uh but uh, we can't and when it happened it happened in the most quick quickest way possible quickest and cleanest way because it was just line out uh everyone was expecting a mole and then the lock did a, a, something they call a Ronaldinho, so a no, no looking pass, and it worked perfectly. I think the moment when they scored the try, and I was in the in the media stand, I thought the stadium was coming down. Uh, to be honest, um, I went a lot to football matches, and it was the the same, or or the uproar was even bigger because it was just incredible. How everything came down at just that point of the uh, of the track. That's fantastic. It's great to, to that came across in the stadium as well. And I think it will be a famous try just because of the almost the arrogance of it, the way that, like you say, the no look and the uh, and the the way the smirk, the smirk on the hooker's face before he threw the ball in and things. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, Everyone was think, talking about Manny Labarque, but that was the moment for me. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. No I think from a Welsh point of view, I, I'd say that we got away with it. I would say that um, we, Warren Gatland will go, phew, that was close, and never speak of that game again. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it, it was, we got what we needed out of it, and I don't think we played particularly well. I think the important things were, for us, we got uh, game time into Falatau, who needed it, because uh, I was looking back at the stats for how he played against Fiji, and he didn't, he wasn't really at it against Fiji, where he's much more like himself in this game. Um, and also Anscombe as well is another one who needed minutes and he got minutes in this game. So I think that's the most important thing from a Wales point of view, as well as the five points, which puts us in a good situation for getting out of the pool. But our next game that we're going to talk about is one that happens a few days ago now, which is France versus Uruguay, which was a hell of a game. Uruguay played so well. And the conversation that it's kind of sparked is 
how do we get teams like Uruguay more rugby? So we know about the new proposed structures and things that World Rugby wants to bring in is being proposed. We've seen the way that the Uruguayan captain was speaking after the game uh, and saying, you guys, you weren't here before we played this game, but we knew that we had this in us and you should have been here respecting us from the day one. It's kind of quite similar to how the Georgian under-20s captain spoke after they played the All Blacks in the under-20 championship this summer and said, we are not tier two, we are here to compete, we are playing against the All Blacks and we are challenging the All Blacks. So I guess, Francisco, again, I saw you put something out on socials about it. For you, how how do we get teams like Uruguay um, and all the other tier twos, Portugal and everyone else at this World Cup, how do we get them playing more rugby? Well, the, my plan is quite simple and quite quick. Um, for, for one, ditch the World League that uh, the Six Nations and the four and uh, the, Arabia, uh, the Arabian Championship guys want to do, so the Ten Nations, if you want to call it. And the second is a quite simple thing. It's more tours with the 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 T2 nations. It's just quite simple. Uh, I was in the stadium talking to Rich Freeman from, uh, he's a journalist for Japan um, in the World Cup. He's very well known. He, uh, the first tweet came out from him. My, mine came uh, 10 seconds after it, which was fun. And, and he said to me, as I was talking to him and saying, well, imagine what would be a tour of the Wales national team going to Portugal and Spain. So touring there, for, play against the Lobos and play against the Leones. And then we can have a, a third game against Italy and Portugal, Spain. So it could be a Mediterranean um, tour. And that would bring a lot of fans to the stadium. And not only the rugby, the, the, the ones that are already allocated to rugby, but others. Uh, Japan and Italy came to Portugal uh, the last three years. and it wasn't full stadium, it was 15,000 people. And Portuguese Rabi has at the most 8,000 8, or 9,000. So we are talking that 50% more came from people who are not accustomed to Rabi. So they saw it, uh, received a, uh, a nice ticket and came to the match and got to see a show. And that's what we want. Wales coming in, Wales will win uh, 10 out, uh, 9 out of 10, sorry. And but it's how we want to sell them the game because if we close and sorry for the, it is it can be seen as a rant but if we close in those ten nations I can assure you that in a space of twenty years they will go bankrupt we will have died by the by the time but the, the others will have gone completely bankrupt because no one is going to see the same teams play against each other year in year out no one it's I've seen that happen with basketball when they did the Euroliga uh, some years ago. They tried to close down just uh, with the, the best sides. And it got to a point of bankruptcy. They had to stop with it and open again and so on. So Ravi should take lessons from FIFA, which is the worst organization for, to take lessons from, uh, and, and open and do tours and play more games. Play not more games, but enough games with tier two nations. Yeah, you won't get uh, an Irish team to go to, to to New Zealand to play five games or four games against the All Blacks uh, or three games against All Blacks and two with the Maori. No, you go to the Pacific, play one game against All Blacks, one game against Samoa, one game against Fiji, but in Samoa and Fiji, 
and yeah. that's it. It, it. It's enough. It's completely enough because uh, Ireland went to, and I like the tour they played against the uh, Maori, Blacks, and Blues or Chiefs. I don't quite remember. I believe it was the Chiefs. The Chiefs, right? Or the mm -hmm. Hurricanes, or something, something like this. So couldn't they have played with Fiji or Samoa or Tonga? Um, uh, the same thing happens here in Europe, and I think it's time for rugby to to finally wake up from this hellish night nightmare of being elitist and start working towards something that is more global. Because every time we do a World Cup uh, and we have more nations, you see the impact it has in millions of people that are not don't have teams in it. So if you go to 24, yeah, maybe we get one or two bigger results, but it will hit more fans, it will hit more kids, and will hit more investment because more companies want to jump in. No one is going to uh, invest in a team that is not going to qualify or will have a hard path to, to qualifying. The, the, the era of easy money from corporations and uh, big uh, companies is over. Nowadays, they are worse than ever. So if you want to get their money, you have to sh show something. So this is my plan. It's quite e quite easy. There's no need for the new Six Nations. No, uh, Maybe the rugby championship should get bigger because uh, it's stale already. Fiji and Japan should go in. So Six Nations in, in, the, in the Pacific. Um, and I could care less with the Six Nations. It's a private uh, tournament. It's over, done. We can do a European Championship each two years, if you want, or three years. But there's there's uh, is all there's already the Rugby Europe Championship, and we want to meet you. Be honest, we don't need the Six Nations. We we just need the fans of the Six Nations to watch our tournament and enjoy it. That's that's it. Just click everything. Rugby Europe is the best organization to work for and see the games because every match is streamed online. What else you yeah. want? So. Yeah, well, well, it's difficult to argue with any of that. I guess something you touched on there, I'll get your thoughts on this, Ender. You know, you've watched Ireland put 80 points on, on Romania this week, just gone, or last week, rather. Uh, then we also saw South Africa put big points on Romania as well, and also the All Blacks put 70 past Namibia. I guess, Ender, from your point of view, what would you say to people who say, we don't want to see those kind of games? It's a really difficult question. Like, what, what do you say? Like, that was my, like, when watching that Irish game as an Irish fan, I took no, like, it was, like, I was actually probably more excited about the beginning of that game when Romania scored within a couple of minutes than I was for any of the Irish scores. And it might sound strange coming from an Irish fan, but I just, I don't want to see games that are that one-sided. I don't think anybody does. But the cynic in me also just sees, like, what, like would question the value of, of that game and, and that kind of scoreline. And this is, you know, this is rugby's biggest brand. It's the biggest occasion. And we don't want to see 80 points plus, 70 points plus being put on teams because it just doesn't do anything to grow the game or to... Yeah, it just... Uh, that, that one for me, the Irish game. And then, yeah, when we saw, was it 12 minutes? Within 12 minutes, um, South Africa had the bonus point secured against Romania. Like, that, that makes it very tough. And we all know why Romania got in at the end, but it does, it does show you how far you know certain nations need to come but i don't know what the solution is to that like we, we i know francisco's touched on on what we can do and i think that that's valid but th this probably brings up and i know we have an agenda today and everything but it like i what the thing that i always think about when when these debates come up is just 
the thought of expanding the World Cup to from 20 teams to 24 after seeing some of the results. And if you look at previous World Cups as well, like we're used to this now. And I don't think it's a good thing. And if we <coughs> do introduce more teams, are we going to see more of those? Now, maybe the counter to that is that, look, it's, it's still good. Like Romania are going to be better for it, you could argue, because they're getting that exposure. And they're obviously going to get, they're going to generate some income for being in the, in the World Cup and all of that. And it's growing the game in Romania, hopefully. But I just, I can't see how those scorelines are good for the game or good for going to sport. Um, but yeah, interested to get your, your thoughts on this, Francisco. Like, is it tough for you watching that? Or are you do you kind of just see it as a, a necessity at this stage? Like, it's it's tough to watch, but it's what we need to go through until these teams are developed and get well, to that level. Uh, well, uh, if we will look just only for Romania, we have a problem. But then you move, zoom out, and you have Chile, Uruguay, Portugal, uh, Georgia, um, Japan, I wouldn't consider it a T2 nation. It's a T1 for me at, at this point. They need to get to the Arabian Championship, but that's another conversation. And you yeah. have the them doing good scores against uh, other teams. Namibia and Romania have two are problems. And Namibia problem, for example, is different. I think it's the lack of games they have uh, in yeah. the Arabian World Cup cycle. So it, the fault is not of the Springboks or the South Africa, is from the African uh, Arabian Committee, which should work better. But also the, 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 the nations from Europe and South America and Pacific seem, seem to not have any interest in them, which should be otherwise. Romania's problem is elsewhere. Until 2023, they almost won against Argentina. They almost won against Italy. Um, and I'm forgetting they won against Samoa or Tonga. They they had very good games against T2, T1 or poor, powerful T2 sides. Um, 2023, and because I'm doing interviews with some of the players, I don't want to open everything up, but something broke inside. I don't know if the players don't trust the head coach. I hope they they are not falling for this because it's the worst thing you can do in a World Cup. If there was the preparation for the World Cup was bad because sometimes the plan could be nice or incredible on paper, but when you put on the practical side of things, it just doesn't work it. And I don't know. I think Romania, uh, people shouldn't take it like it will be forever like this because it it it, it won't for the next four years. After it, I don't know. Romania has a problem at the moment. It's a, it's a country that is not poor, but does have very uh, complicated difficulties uh, money-wise. Uh, all sports in Romania are uh, on the verge of bankruptcy or having in, in intense problems. Foot, even football, which was the most known sports from them, or, f- or wrestling sports, are falling like crazy. So uh, the, the situation is normal, and I think Romania problem lies elsewhere. It's They are not having enough kids coming in for the, gra- the gaps and going to the national side. So this team of Romania, I think they can still go to the next World Cup, but the, their problems lie in many places. And I think the Andy Robinson situation, I'm not saying if he, if, if he was sacked or he resigned, I just don't know, and I don't want to go inside that conversation, was the worst type of decision ever, even if Van Cotter came in to help. Two months to work with a team, it's not enough. 
yeah. but I would be I understand your point, but I will be careful saying that we are worried with Romania. You should be, but it isn't now the 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 normal practice of the T2 sides because you have the other ones doing well. Georgia could have won against yeah. Australia because yeah. that second half. If Niniashvili didn't do that pop pass he did to to Poo, I believe from Georgia would have won that game because that was a yeah. moment that sealed the match. If he's if he's stay with the ball or pass it before, I think Georgia would have scored a try and almost equalized it. And we had but it is what it is. Fiji almost won against Wales. Portugal was very close to doing an upset. Uruguay was very close to doing an upset against the, the home side at the point that yeah. uh, Galtier is putting his best uh, his best team to play against Namibia. Like some sort of, saw some that today. Sort of. yeah. yeah. So when you see this, it's it's I am from the time and you too also that the World Cups uh, when they played against two T two sides they changed the 15 players and even the bench. And now it's not like that. Ireland and Springboks against Romania played with very good sides. They didn't let them have a chance because you can't let these guys have a chance. Look, Portugal. If everyone now doesn't know what to expect from Portugal, and if Georgia wins against Portugal, I think Wales and Fiji will start doubting what can we expect from these guys because it's something is changing. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the uh, there needs to be someone in the Super World Rugby looking at these 17, 80 points and going, this is this is bad for our tournaments. We need to make sure that next time when these teams turn up, that <coughs> they don't get these score lines put on them. And then, so what do we need to do as a sport to ensure that doesn't happen? And uh, uh, that's what I'd like to be seeing. So yeah. uh, that's the end of part one. We are now going. Uh, audio listeners will be hearing their first ad break as part of the show. Uh, YouTube listeners, uh, you stick around and we're going to be uh, diving into the rest of the games, uh, starting with and is going to be leading our chat on Australia versus Fiji. So, yeah, hey, see you after the adverts. So, Hugh, uh, Australia v Fiji, like, could we call this a shock? We've discussed Australia at length and Eddie Jones and everything. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But from your perspective, yeah, was this a shock? Kind. I don't know if I really believed in my heart that it would happen because Australia is one of those teams, <laughs> a bit like England, that they can be rubbish, but they still there are some teams that just don't beat them, you know. And I just felt like it was almost too good to be true. Like it, I, yes, I believed Fiji were good enough, and yes, I believed that Australia are going through a difficult enough time. But I was really nervous. I was more nervous for this game than I was for any of Wales's games so far. Because, you know, as our listeners know, I've really grown to love Fiji and love the players as individuals. So I was like, and Fiji would have been out. That's the that's the thing about this game is if Fiji had lost, they would have been out of the World Cup. And I just yeah. did not want to see that. I did not want to see the players' faces knowing that they, had, they were now going home. I didn't want to see Simon R- Riley, um be a, be a broken man. I wanted to see these guys happy. 
-hmm. What it triggers is something that um, Francisco touched on a second ago is now the conversation is people are looking back four years ago and looking at what Japan did in 2019. And rugby as a sport didn't capitalize. They didn't add Japan to the rugby championship. Arguably what Japan did in 2019 is more impressive than what Fiji are doing now because Japan beat Ireland, obviously, and Scotland, both in the, in Scotland. the, yeah, in the, in the pool stages and beat them convincingly both times. And then uh, obviously went on and had a tough result against the Springboks who went on to win it in the quarterfinal. We can't make that mistake again as a sport for me. We can't see this Fiji team with what they're doing with the Drua and the results. Now, their last three games, they beat England, they should have beat Wales and they beat Australia. What What's the excuses now for excluding these guys? They're, we can't consider them to be tier two anymore they're playing in super rugby for goodness sake so there has to be something give and i think the only reason that they wouldn't be added to the rugby championship would be fear from sansa would be um those guys thinking if we went to fiji to play these guys there's a strong chance that we might lose i think australia obviously have just lost i think argentina would be worried about losing the all blacks and the Springboks maybe less so but then you've got to remember, the All Blacks have never toured the Pacific Island nations. And there's got to be something deep rooted about that, where they've decided that it's not for them, whether that's money or something. We know that um, Rugby New Zealand is in a tough spot at the moment, getting criticism from all angles. There was the report that came out a couple of weeks ago saying they're not fit for purpose as an organisation. We're going to talk about NPC a little bit later on. I don't know, Francisco, do, do, do you view... You, took, you spoke about Japan not being a tier two anymore. Do you view Fiji as tier two anymore? I will only uh, say that Fiji is a tier two, uh, tier one, when they have a seat on, on the World, World Railway Council, not as a consultant, but as a seating member with the power to vote and decide, and not just a proxy for Australia and New Zealand. Uh, that's 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 my issue. And they go inside the the rugby championship. Um, if Fiji goes in. I believe the, they'll have more people watching it. So what that's what we want. And more people focus on the competition. Something new. Fiji is a team that attracts a lot of crowds. Uh, it's a fun side to watch. I think they are trying to get them ready because they're coming into the Super Rugby uh, competition. It was something to salvage the competition. But at the same time, I think they were already thinking about... Uh, inviting them to join as a national team um and i think it's the moment uh, i was expecting fiji to win against wales and australia and i got one right uh fiji could have won by more points against uh, against wallabies uh, i think they got too tactical and that was good because they were cynical when they had to be scored um you didn't see that many offloads because they they scored enough points and you could see in their faces, okay, it's done. The job is done. Yeah. It's over. And, and the only miss for me was that they, they weren't able to take the the losing bonus point from Australia, which can be important mm -hmm. at the long, if they win against Wales this weekend, which I don't believe they will. Um, and I think it's time. Fiji's playing good rugby. There's a good structure. Even if the union is a bit corrupt, that's a big problem. As there's a lot of corru corruption inside it. It's broken. 
but you just talked New Zealand unit has a, the same similar similar problems. Uh, the way they treated the women's side, the forces, uh, Ian Foster staying in the, in the job, the way they treat some of the local uni unions and so on. So we can call Fiji with whatever you want, but it's time to give them a shot to be inside. Because sometimes you can correct corruption by giving opportunities to people to shine, because maybe more responsible people will say, okay, we're coming in, we're going to sort things out. That's for me how it how it works as a nation and it's a model that well even the the most failed democracy is better than any authoritarian authoritarian uh, government and francisco one thing you touched on when you were talking about romania obviously was was andy robinson either being let go or fired or leaving you know but it was so close to the world cup and you, you touched on how that probably is one of the reasons potentially why they're not doing well because he didn't like the new coach coming in doesn't have enough time um to make an impact on the team but to change things and for me that that's what we've seen with australia i thought it was a crazy decision um to let Eddie to yeah to, to have eddie in charge this close to world cup because he hasn't had a chance like he's won what he's lost six games out of seven so far in his during his tenure uh, like, what are your thoughts on Eddie Jones and his his experience in Australia uh, so well, far? Like, was it was it a stupid decision to, yeah, to, to have men this this close to the World Cup? I think it was a stupid decision by both the England Union letting go Eddie Jones. Now they, I think England is play, playing like Eddie Jones wanted to play in this World Cup. It's his model. It's been pressy. It, people are calling ugly victories, but I prefer ugly victories to being beautiful in defeat. Sorry to say it. It's, it's yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. It's uh, if I w if someone comes to my house and say, okay, Portugal is going to win the World Cup by just scoring one point, uh, by winning just by one point each match, and I say, okay, what's the problem? I make the deal now if you want to. And uh, I think it was a stupid decision by the England Union, and it was a very stupid decision by uh, the, the the Australian. I think they tried to. To, to give a, a notion that uh, this team isn't for the 2023 World Cup, it's for the next one. The, we are focusing on the next one because we can call it that as a, a bad excuse, an immorality of the, of the world of, of corporations or so, whatsoever. But I think Eddie's a trailblazer. I knew from the moment, and I interviewed him twice in my life. I, I loved uh, being with him in the same room talking about rugby. But I knew the moment he stepped in Australia that he wanted to change everything from the bottom to the top. And at the moment, I think he's in the middle because the top is the guys who are in the board. Um, give a bit, uh, a bit of time and he will rip them apart when he has a chance. And... Not not calling Michael Hooper. Uh, if he was if he if he was injured, I think it would be nice to to hear from Hooper saying I was injured, I was not able to go. The how it went, uh, silent we, silent silently with the night was not best thing for everyone. And his decision to call some guys that were young, I understand, but in the World Cup, but uh, it's the image that you give. And that's why I was not, uh, uh, Fiji winning was not a surprise for me. I was already expecting it and I was close. Uh, but if you watch the game, the momentum is always on the Fijian side and not on the Australian. And I think 
when people do type these type of changes is, is very weird. When Andy Robinson was fired or resigned by in the Romanian Union, I was like, this is a very bad decision. Or they bring something that has huge experience, has credentials to the highest order, and the players look to him and say, okay, I, we want you to guide us to the World Cup. Or I don't know. Jugen Apjok is a good coach. He won a lot of titles uh, and championships in the Romanian uh, competitions. But at the, at this point, something is not working with the players. And I think with Andy Robson, it worked because it was Andy. And Andy is a knowledgeable guy and so on. It was the same thing with Georgia. Milton Haig was a master of, of, the, of the nowadays levels. And Levin really didn't spit out his plan. Levin is very respected by the players. The players like him. He works with them. He knows everything. He had that that uh, almost death situation uh, with COVID in South Africa and so on. I don't know what's happening with Yapjok in Romania, but I think if the Wallabies uh, don't qualify from the pools, you 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 can point to the coach. But the same thing with All Blacks and Foz is there for like five years. So do you change a coach or don't? And it depends who you change for, because with Wales, it worked with Gatlin. But Gatlin is Welsh for me at, at, at this point. He knows he's out. He, he knows Wales is his home, and he's happy happy with it. And I think, not, not, I think Hugh is not unhappy with having Gatlin again. I went to the television to comment the six session for three times, and I'll, I said to everyone on the station and on the broadcasting, uh, Gatlin's plan is not a Six Nations. He doesn't care about the 2023 Six Nations. He cares about the World Cup. Taking Wales to the semifinals, he's, it's his goal. Because if he does it, everyone's going to say, okay, this was a miracle. And I, for now, I think Wales, if they uh, win or tie with Australia, it's done. You're in the quarterfinals uh, in the first place. So it's a good spot to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Moving on then, Ender, to your team, uh, another hit out uh, against Tonga. So uh, let us know your thoughts on that game. Kind of same old, same old for Ireland. And this is kind of like a a stock (laughs) performance um, for you guys at the moment. You just, this is just what you do, is it? Yeah, we're Ireland definitely building nicely, you have to say. And we we discussed this on a previous pod how they only played you know three warm up games and we saw a lot of the other nations play four and we're probably seeing why now um because they they've had such a good build up now and obviously the big one is next week um on Saturday um against South Africa that that's the big one really and what's incredible for me again with this performance like it was a good performance that there there was a bit of sloppiness but I think that's that's to be expected but it's nothing they can't fix I think in time for the Springboks on Saturday. Strong set piece, very attacking game. You know, it's I love watching Irish forwards take the ball on. They don't just play bish bash. They actually step when they take it right before contact. And yeah, and I think you have to talk about uh, Sexton, don't you? We all like seeing that celebration. It was absolutely brilliant. 38 years young, uh, celebrating like that under the posts. And he became Ireland's uh, top point scorer um, of all time. Like it's br- brilliant to see uh, Connor Murray, excellent game, pushing Jameson with Gibson Park now for a starting spot, I think on Saturday after that performance. Um, but yeah, it is kind of just business as usual. I don't think any, I know a lot of people were, you know, Hugh actually, I'd like to bring this up actually. I know we were talking about uh, predictions for this game. I did predict a, a 40 point 
victory for Ireland and uh, they weren't far off but I just I just thought because Ireland what I liked about it and it's something that you touched on earlier Francisco like Ireland and, and South Africa were, were respecting um you know tier two teams and I think that that's important as well um so you put up like Andy Farrell has picked his best team um pretty much against um Tonga which I, I love to see really um like I love like I know I was on a different podcast about two weeks ago and I said I wanted to see Saxon and others rested but I kind of admired the decision now to to just get the best players on the pitch and it shows the respect they have for Tonga and for the competition and how they're they're building and somehow Ireland's have virtually no serious injuries uh touch wood which is brilliant to see I know Bielan went off for HIA but he's been past fit that was announced today so he's good to go on Saturday which is crucial um especially with his performances uh, in the Six Nations. So, yeah, and then from, from a Tonga perspective, I think, Hugh, we, we've definitely touched on this before in previous pods. We need to see them playing more games. Yeah. Um, like, I think it was almost unfair at, at times when you think about the amount of money that is involved in the Irish team and all the resources that have put in and how well the players look after, how many games they play, yet, you know, how many competitive games have Tonga played since the last World Cup. I know you've discussed before how, how how few games they've had against tier one opposition and how are they going to how are they going to gel and improve without those games yeah especially um, with all so, their new with their new recruits which isn't isn't a fair way to call it but they've got new guys coming into their into their team and just they haven't had the time to become a team they're still kind of individuals at this point which is a a shame and it was very head over heart for a lot of people i think everyone wants to see tonga do well but I think based on what we saw in the Pacific Nations Cup and Tonga's records, just generally, they have traditionally been the weaker of the Pacific Nations sides. So I, th- I think you, know, you always want to you want to see these guys shock the world like they did against France um, way back in 2011. But I think with your with your head screwed on, you you kind of saw this one coming sadly. But what they did do was an absolutely unmissable and fantastic uh, sippy towel before the game, which leads mm-hmm. us on to the debate that's been gripping of literally uh, dozens of people on Twitter. Um, what is the best war <laughs> dance? The be- What is the best pre-game um, dance between the hacker? Um, you've got the sippy towel, which is the Tonga version. You've got... Uh, Siva Tau, which I believe is the Samoa version, and then the Fijian version. We've got Fijian listeners. I'm so sorry, guys. My European dialect wants to call it the the Sibi, but it might be the Kibi because I think I've learnt that uh, in Fiji um, they they have they pronounce their consonants like that. So, what about you, Francisco? What is out of the all those dances? And if you have a preferred hacker as well, let us know which which hacker you prefer but do you have a favorite war dance from from rugby well for me it's going to be forever the hacker um the normal hacker capo pango is not my my cup of tea i understand why they do it but uh maybe the cpital is is cool i think it's called um phoebe because i Fijians taught me, I can be wrong, because like uh, everyone see Kokanasiga, call him Kokanasiga, but it's not Kokanasiga. Yes. It's Thokanasiga. So Thokanasiga. So it's, I think it's Phoebe, if I'm not uh, wrong. But see, but any of them, I think uh, they are 
great products to sell and to to enjoy because it's a bit of tradition uh, inside the pitch. I know some moaners about it because they say, oh, it's uh, it's ridiculous because they can and the others can't. Oh, you can do your traditional dance. Uh, why why shouldn't Romania has a beautiful traditional dance? It's a war dance. I don't think so. Uh, so, and I think it's a, a cultural vibe that I think it's very important and brings a certain atmosphere to rugby that uh, it misses in other sports. And we have it, and we should be pride, uh, proud of having it because it's. Look, we have live in a world that a lot of people defend the stupidest things, uh, uh, transphobic things, homophobic things, etc. And some nations do some dances, and those guys, oh, this is semantics. This is bad for our image. Come on, it's it's good. If I was on the other side of the pitch, I would be loving it to see it because it's a proper a declaration of I want to compete and play against you and win and throw it to your face. Okay, then let me try to throw it in your face in the pitch. And I think it's lovely. And I hope we can see a TV in the semifinals. Me too. How about you, Ender? What's your favorite one? Same as Francisco. Like the hack is synonymous with, with rugby in general. And it, it's it's absolutely my favorite. I love it. Like a lot of people, there's a lot of negativity around rugby a lot of the time, especially on Twitter or X or whatever the hell you want to call it. But a lot of people talk about how much, you know, how we need to grow the game and how what's wrong with the game and all these issues. And, you know, we need to get more younger people watching it. But I think w- one thing we should definitely celebrate is, is the hack. It's something different. It's, it builds the occasion. Um, I absolutely love when crowds, I much prefer when crowds just absolutely respect it and they go completely quiet and you can hear everything. Um, I just think it's it's fantastic. Um, it gets the juices flowing. Even for me watching, I'll never do it. <laughs> uh, don't worry on the pod, but like it just, it builds it up nicely um, every game. And I know some people think that they might be a bit sick of it or whatnot, but no, I'd say long live the hack but and all the war dances. I think they're brilliant. They're unique. It's something to celebrate. Um, I know there was a lot of controversy, wasn't there, about a year ago um, when, not sure who it was, was it Arnie Saivia who did this? Slip it was, the was in mid-game in Super Rugby. It, well, That's different. Oh, that was yeah, mid-game, yeah. That's different. Yeah. He, got ba- he got banned for it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's but, right, yeah. Um, I'm the I'm the opposite. I love it when the they go, they jump down and they go, ooh, and they go into it, and the crowd just goes, ah. I love it. It's like it's like something from the Coliseum for me. Uh, that that it's really that's part of it is. I love when the crowd is like you're not just challenging our team, you're challenging us as well. That that's all part of the theatre for it for me. I have to. I had do have a preferred hacker. I prefer Kamate to to the other one. Um, uh, that for me when they're slapping off the thighs. That's that's what I think of when I think of the hacker. They don't do that one as much, which is a shame. Um, but because you guys have said the hacker, I'm going to say Thippy Tao and uh, say that one was my favourite um, to be a bit different. Anyway, so w- what's our next match, mate? So what else do we need to talk about? Well, one we certainly have to talk about is England, Japan. Uh, yeah, Francisco, let's start with you. Like, What, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, there's been a lot of negativity about uh, England's. Look, we all know how they want to play. Um. But yeah, it's but let's let's more focus maybe on Japan and like have they regressed since the last World Cup? What are your thoughts? Well, I I wouldn't say regress. I think they their plan for England was quite 
good in the first half until the, la the last uh, 30 minutes of the match. Um, and then the Falcon uh, assist came in and I think broke Japan because one of the, one, yeah. those type of things can broke, break a team uh, because it's they were doing excellent defense. They were not letting England in and with the luck, uh, with a lucky try, they broke it. Um, and I think Japan didn't regress, but didn't went didn't climb uh, a new step. I still think they're a menace. I think they, against Argentina is 50-50, uh, which is bad for the Argentinians. Uh, because I think everyone was thinking that the Pumas would have done well in this World Cup. I cannot, I can't blame Shake on this. I think um, there's something stale in the Pumas at the moment. Maybe they win against Japan and go to the semifinals. I'm completely wrong. But you look to the type of game and it's it's just physical, uh, positive. I call it positive aggression. So they throw their bodies, they go in, but breakdown work is non-existent. Um, ideas with the ball in hands is non-existent. The kicking uh, game is also non-existent or is badly placed. They had a bad game, yeah, against England, against a 14-man England. And that concerned me because in, like five years ago or 10 years ago, Argentina will have w took that chance to pile drive in and win it. And I, I spoke with some people about it and you had like in 2019 and 2015, Nicolas Sanchez, you before you had Conte, uh, Conte Pomi, you had Juan Martin Hernandez, so you had great guys at 10 or 12 that could create, and now there's none. I think they they are they require too much of Lavanini, Kramer, uh, and Matera, and so on, and those guys are completely dominated in in today's game because you just have to have a good uh, combo of loose forwards that can nullify them and England put them out well and did the same against Japan. Japan has a good combination of loose forwards but at some point the conditioning came down and England took it and just drove forwards. Just a small uh, post scripting. The people saying that England winning England is bad for the game are people who don't, doesn't understand what winning is about in sports. This, we're not talking about an essay in a university. We're not talking about you're going to, uh, to try to do your best doing an opera. We're talking about sports. And the, the goal in a sports team is to win. It doesn't matter if you kick all the game and just play defense for 80 minutes. I think everyone forgot how the Highlanders won the 2015 Super Rugby was one of the best seasons ever. They just played defense and waited for the Hurricanes to miss their tries and do interceptions and kicking and kicking and kicking. Marty Banks, who never was all black, was the man of the match on that game. So and Sopoaga and I think people are missing the point. Yeah, I want beautiful Ravi, but what England did with Japan for me, and I was rooting for Japan, was a show. It was a proper show. There was emotion until the last minute because we wanted to see Japan do something and England nullified them. And I think uh, for Japan, Japanese rugby, they need a win against Argentina because if they win it, they are mostly qualified for the quarterfinals. Nonetheless, nonetheless, there's Samoa running, and Samoa can be very dangerous. It's a team. Everyone yeah. talks about Tonga, 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 Tonga all the time. Nobody is looking for Samoa, and Samoa is a 
for me, a team well led, well structured, and with a good uh, with a good rationale. So be careful about Samoa. Well, why don't we why don't we go and talk about them now? So we uh, like to do deep dives on this podcast. We don't have time to do a proper deep dive on a particular subject today. But what we do have the ability to do is to jump on and look at the statistics uh, from some of the games. And this what this does is this helps us learn about the different game plans that uh, the uh, the different sides are employing. And it lets us learn who are the best players in these teams that maybe we don't get to watch as much. So can you guys see see the screen? Um, yep. Okay, yes. cool. So this is, as I said last week, this is World um, Rugby's stats page. It's great that they're doing this. It really is is a way of involving fans that I think football is um, really nailing being able to put out stats in a digestible way. And it's great to see World Rugby um, do the same. So... There's a couple of not perfect things about this website, like I mentioned last week, and I'll mention them um, a little bit further down. I guess, obviously, we start with the game, Samoa, um, 43 to points to 10. Um, with the, uh, I think it was five tries, so they scored one try fewer than Japan did. But for me, I think Samoa were a bit more impressive in this game than Japan were when they played Chile. I think Samoa had some more detail to their game, uh, and I'll come on to that in a second. But five tries... Um, two yellow cards each. So that's going to be interesting when Samoa play Argentina. Um, we know that Argentina are, are not, shall we say, afraid of cards. Um, and uh, <laughs> Samoa, it looks like Samoa looks like they're getting that way as well. So I think uh, maybe a good prediction for that game might be some cards. But in terms of um, some of the statistics to take away from it, Samoa took a lot of time to get going. So they kicked obviously 12 points. Uh, Christian Lele Afana, which for me, of all of the players to change allegiance for this World Cup, I think Christian Lele Afano is the most impactful one. I think there's probably a lot of people in Australia looking at him now thinking we could do with a player like you, someone experienced, someone who can manage a game and someone who can kick their goals, which we've seen um, plenty of sides, not least the Springboks, struggle from that point of view. Um, so he kicked 12 points to get... Um, Samoa into the lead and then what we're seeing now is that they're kind of they're big players the players that we we see more often playing in Europe and things are the players who are, are coming to the fore um Theo, no more so than Theo McFarland um he is topping like so many of the stats he was top um tackler by a long way I'm referring to my stats down here um Wong as well uh Nigel R. Wong he was a uh, not only Scored the tries, uh, scored a try, but he was a big outlet for them. He created a lot running from deep. He offloaded a lot um, and created space for others. Uh, and I think uh, also um, Suetenny as well, the centre. Is it La Rochelle or, or Toulouse he plays for? I want to say La Rochelle. Who? Say it's La Rochelle. Theo McFarland? No, um, Suetenny, the centre. Ah, wait. I see it. Because I don't want to miss. I think it's La Rochelle. Uh, now I don't know if he didn't change clubs. The last. Okay. We'll, the we'll last say it's La Rochelle. If we're wrong, guys, let us know in the comments. Um, but yeah, so we'll say it's La Rochelle. Uh, he was. He had a great game for them as well. He didn't top any metrics, but he was high in all of the metrics, uh, which obviously is a show of good performance. So 
it, this game was a builder from me uh, for Samoa. Uh, what they were able to do, what they were able to kind of get into it. And obviously two tries either side of halftime took the game away from Chile. But from a Chile point of view, um, they are still employing a very running game. So if I show you, uh, if I can find the the meters here. So if you can consider like the possession that they had, Samoa 97 runs, uh, Chile 96, and they were making uh, more meters as well. I think in a lot of the runs as well. So that, that kind of shows that they're still doing, uh, they're still trying to run everything. And it shows that how, how players like Fernandez, but also their uh, fullback um, as well, created mm. a lot for them. If you look at his stats, if, if I just bring it up here, the player stats attack, uh, you can see the fullback. Um, Francisco, help me with the pronunciation. Is it uh, Ayazara? Uh, Inaki Ayarza. 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 Okay. Inaki Ayarza. So he he was a big um, provider for them, a big creator. Mm -hmm. You can see in terms of defenders beaten, no surprise to anyone, Rodrigo Fernandez was was top. This is the guy that all the hype around Chile has been for. (laughs) Where did Francisco? Francisco, do you know where he plays? Is he playing for? Penarol, oh no, not Penarol. That's your agreement. Is he playing for Selkenham or is he playing in Europe? Now? I I think he's playing for Selkenham. I, I think there was a, ch- a chance for he coming in for to Europe. I'm not sure. I've heard something about him. I know the captain is play, uh, Sigren is playing in England in the championship or played in championship for quite some time. Um, but they're, they're just let me uh, clarify something. Like Uruguay, Chile is doing the same thing with a bit less, a, a bit less money. Uh, Uruguay professionals pro, pro, give pro contracts to every player, so they're pro team now uh, with um, Peñarol and so on. Um, or Peñarol, uh, wait, Uruguay Peñarol is exactly yeah, yeah. Peñarol and Chile with Salcom. So it's a good idea, the Super Rugby Americas, they're doing this, this. They're trying to work on this type of thing so that at least 23 or 30 players are professionals and can work for like four years in a row to get to the World Cup. So it's, it is a good idea. It is, it is a good competition. Hugh, can I just say something about the stats? Yeah. Yes. Uh, they had more defenders beaten, Chile, and almost as many meters as Samoa. But I think the metric that you should look at is the clean breaks because Samoa had more clean breaks than Chile with less defenders beaten and less meters won. Uh, so it's one, two from your screen, three, four, and Chile only two. So yeah. for, for me, it just tells you what whatever you need to know about, about what happened. I saw the game because it was before Portugal, um, if I'm not wrong. And I think Chile just can't at the second half the conditioning come down and Samoa yeah. is a very tough team they are very aggressive and they can uh, really rely on it so for me this is the difference we have it's not the, t- the time and the the uh, that you have the ball in in your hands it's what you do with it and look the penalties the penalties considered is crazy it's like what Portugal normally doesn't gain yeah yeah, uh, I think for me, the difference watching some of the highlights back is that Chile's attack is very much about a player doing something magic, like Fernandez doing something magic, making a line break. 
Whereas Samoa's attack was much more detailed, much more constructed, breaking a team down using a system. So I think that's maybe the next step for for Chile and maybe some of the other um, more emerging nations. I think is that what you said, Francisco, about when the time passes. I think if you look at um, on Rugby Passes uh, website, which I think is here, uh, if you look at the it maps out when the points were scored like this mm. and what the gap was and you will see for a lot of the the sort of the tier two emerging teams like Chile, like Namibia, um, who comes through, it's around the 55 minute mark that the scoreline starts to go like this. Because, like you say, the conditioning and the depth on the bench just isn't there compared to some of these other sides. But yeah, for, for me, it was a good builder for Samoa. They've now got a, a game against Argentina, uh, which we'll do our predictions for in a bit, um, which is going to be crazy. But finally, just on this website, and I, I reached out to Russell Forbes, who's a, a stats guy on Twitter, and asked about um, the, what's going on with the turnovers, because it says that Samoa won nine turnovers, um, Samoa two, but then later later on, uh, it says that there were six in each half and then four in ten. And Russell just goes, I don't know. I think that's just an issue with the website. <laughs> so I think uh, maybe that's a couple of things for, for World Rugby to to, to improve with this site but the, the final things that I'll just say on the stats from the game is that that point about term, turnovers is good both of Samoa's flankers got three turnovers each and it goes back to your point earlier Francisco about um, a good back row being able to dominate Argentina so hopefully that will be a I say hopefully I'm not biased or anything but from Samoa's point of view hopefully that's um, something that they can uh, capitalize on mm-hmm. in the game and the other thing that I noticed as well was that Chile's Two of Chile's top tacklers were both their centres. So that kind of talks about how where Samoa were targeting, they were going after them in the midfield and forcing their centres to make tackles. Uh, so that, that was quite interesting from a tactics point of view. So watch out for that in the next game. But yeah, so I think, Ender, are we due an ad break? I can't see the, the notes anymore. Oh, we can't We are not due an ad break yet because we're, we're going to go through. No, okay. which is great news for everyone. Right, stick me with you guys. So uh, we are going to now, and no, we won't do fantasy team first, we'll do predictions first. So uh, we're going to try and stick to only doing the one round where we accidentally did two rounds last week worth of predictions. <laughs> um, so the first one is the game that's on tomorrow. So people don't forget there is a game on, well, you'll be listening to this hopefully on Wednesday. So there's a game today at uh, 4.45 UK time. And it's a big game. It's Italy versus Uruguay. So Italy put out, obviously, a strong team for this one. And the last time these two played was in Italy and it finished 17-10 to Italy. So it was a very close game. And I think it's his... Uruguay will be targeting this because potentially if Uruguay win this and then Italy lose to both France and New Zealand, Uruguay could qualify for the next World Cup as third place in the pool, which would be huge. Obviously, it would be a disaster for Italy. But... Guys, give me your thoughts on this one. Um, where do you see this one going? We'll let our guest, Francisco, what do you think? <laughs> well, uh, it's tough because I have in my head the uh, game of uh, Uruguay against France, and now we, and but Italy did well against Libya. It's tough stuff. Um, it's all all about momentum. And I'm going to say Italy by 12. Italy by 12. We'll go for that. And then do we have any predictions for the first try scorer? I've got Paolo Adoglu. I don't think he's actually starting the game. I don't have the team in front of me. Apologies if that's wrong, guys. Nico Terra 
for me. If he's going, the, the one who's going to start, let me check. Hooker. I think it's going to be a hooker who, who comes uh, in first. A driving mole, perhaps? Is that what you're thinking? No, maybe not a driving mole, but maybe a move with, uh, with the, the hooker finishing. So we have a bit uh, of flair. A bit of flair. Nice. Okay, let so then let me check. Yes, Nicotera, Nicotera, yeah, yes, yes. Okay. okay, locked in, locked in. So, next game, France versus Namibia. So, the teams have been announced for this, and France have gone for a very strong team. It's basically only Aldrich away from being their first team. Uh, are, are we worried? Is 35 going to, are we going to have to go bigger than the 35 margin? Yeah. Uh, Dante's back as well, by the way. Yeah, it's it's seventy five points for me. Whoa. I think it's, it's going to be crazy. Please let me type it. Okay. Um, I hope it's not, but it could be with that side out. Come on, update. There we go. There's the button. Right. Next one, I'm gonna. I've got Charles Olivon as the first try scorer because when I accidentally all did these, uh, I'm sticking with that. I don't see any reason to change. Uh, Argentina versus Samoa, right? This is a big game, and I, I made when I put this nine points in. Uh, this was before Argentina played England, so I, I can honestly say, hand on heart, I've got no idea what's going to happen in this game. So I need you two to educate me. Francesca, so what are your, what are your thoughts? I got Argentina were 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 so poor, so they're due a bounce back for me. And it's Cheka, they're going to be motivated, right? But we we've we saw Samoa against Ireland, particularly before the World Cup. Like they're going to be no pushover. What are your thoughts? I'm just, che- I'm just checking in my notes because I have notes from every T2 side. The last games they did, oh, it's true. They lost against Ireland by just four points. <laughs> And one against Tonga by a lot of points. Oh, uh, it's, this is a difficult one. And he went against Japan. So I'm going to go a bit further and I'm going to say some more by five. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Love it. Yeah. I'm going to be the, lo- the laughing stock. <laughs> Do we have any predictions for a first try scorer? I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to go, after I've just bigged him up, I'm going to go Wong, Nigel Wong. Where is he? It'd be good if these were in alphabetical order, wouldn't it? Anyway, so that's who I'm going for. Okay. Right. Uh, right. This, this is the France, Francisco Derby. This is a big game, isn't it? This is, this is, is there going to be niggle in this game? Is there going to be a fight? Uh, I hope not. No, I'm not much... Uh, uh, much one for a fight when I played rugby until my uh, until I was 35. Every every time there was a fight with my with one of the teams I played, I simply just went to the side and watched because I was not a fan. Yeah, I started them then. I just walked away. Uh, <laughs> you're one of those. You are you are a cheeky I one. Up. I was allowed to get away with that. <laughs> you're a cheeky one. Ah, you're a cheeky one. Okay, no, it's going to be massive. It's going to be. I think both teams will be at the same time excited and nervous because uh, they know it's the, their best chance 
to get their first points. If Georgia wins against Portugal, um, I think they have a good shot at winning against Fiji and um, Wales, Wales because it, it, it will win momentum inside of their heads. If Portugal wins against Georgia, it's going to be massive. Um, please don't. I'm always, uh, I don't know. It's tough. It, the last time You're they allowed played. You're to be biased. We, no, we allow bias on this podcast. Look, the last time they, we played, uh, we did this, both teams from the review Europe sides played each, each other. Georgia blasted off Portugal. But I talked with the Portuguese captain. And he explained to me something that is very important. Uh, Portugal has been have been training all together for the last four months as Georgia, but for them it's clicked. It's like it's clicking. I would say I'm going. I'm going with my mind with, with this one. I'll say Georgia by three. By three. Yeah, it's going to go to the last minute of the match and. Maybe a penalty for far away, and then uh, Apratite or, or Tedo Abshanadze will score from it. Okay. Do you have a prediction for the first scorer? I'm going to say Rodrigo Marta. He was he the one who scored against uh, Wales? No, that was Nicolas Martin. Ah, okay. But now I'm going with Marta. Marta is going to score. Marta is going to score. I'm sure of it. And a I'll, bit come, more. I'll come. There. Come back and find it. Like this one, Rodrigo Marta. Yes, Rodrigo Marta. Select this player. Okay, next one: England versus Chile. Uh, I think we're pretty confident that England are going to win. I think it's a question of how much by. Um, I, actually, I tell you what: I'm going to skip and I say that Chile are going to score first, and I think Fernandez is going to score. Uh, I think, <laughs> I Sorry. Think he's, I think he's going to uh, to win a contract, uh, a, a big contract in Europe. I think he's going to get signed by a top 14's team or something like that. That's my my bold prediction. Right. So what about the margin though? I think we we agree that England should win. So do you think they'll manage to better their their total of four tries in a game? End order. It's tough reckon. to predict, isn't it? Um, I mean, how comical was their first score coming off? <laughs> said, uh, I wish that was the only try they had scored today. That would have just been glorious. But um, <laughs> I'm going to go with maybe a. They're not going to. I don't think they're going to rack up a big score here. So let's go England by, by, by 20. And Chile to play the better rugby, obviously. Yes. But I'd say uh, they're going to stick the to their guns as well. And, all the English pundits will be saying, we need to be more like Chile. Even though they win the match by 20 points. Mm. Anyway, right, the big game. The big game. Right, I let me put my cards on the table for this one. I think the Springboks are going to win. I think the Springboks, are, this is what they do. I think they've played lots of big games this year that Ireland haven't played, particularly mm-hmm. in the last six months. I think that's going to pay dividends. I think even with... Without Malcolm Marks, we've seen the teams announced um, just before we started recording, and it's a 7-1 split on the bench for South Africa, which I love. That is Razzi Erasmus going, I'm here. This is my team. What are you going to do about it? Come on. This is, that's him making the bold move first. That's a power move from Razzi. So I think South Africa are going to win. And I'm assuming you're going to back your own side. 
I think so, and I think that there's good reason to as well. Building really nicely, no big injuries, Sexton in the form is life. I think we've enough to do it. I think the seven one, like it's you know, it's great innovation and all this, but it's incredibly risky. Um and I don't think like under Ireland under Joe Schmidt would have been incredibly worried about this seven and one, or would, there would have been a lot of focus on South Africa. But under Andy Farrell, we care about Ireland, we care about how we want to play. So I think Ireland are going to win by eight points. I really do. Uh, we bet we beat them last year. Um, we've been building nicely. We're number one team in the world for a reason, and and just with the depth in the squad now as well. Uh, we have a scrum, we have a line out. Uh, it looks like Dan Sheehan might be fit, but we saw how well Ronan Kelleher plays. I won't keep going on, but yeah, I think Ireland can do it. And I think it'd be by about eight points and Mack Hansen to score first. Mack Hansen to score first. I'll tell you what, if, if Johnny... Or, yeah, I'd love to see Johnny uh, score first, but I think it'd be, I think it'd be Hansen. If John Klein scores the try that beats Ireland, there's going to be some very conflicted monster fans knocking around. I've spoken to some Munster fans lately, and they if South Africa win the World Cup and there's pictures of Jean Klein holding the trophy, they are going to claim that Munster won the World Cup. Anyway, uh, Scotland versus Tonga. I'm hopefully going to be at this game, so I'm looking forward to it. So I'm going to um, see, um, hopefully Verfafita will be fit because he looked like he got injured in the first game, but he kept playing. He said, I'm not going off. Um, so Verfafita and Sam Lousy both play for my team, the Scarlets. So I'm going to be in my Tonga jersey and my Scarlet's hat. I actually have a Scarlet's hat. Wait, it's here. So this is what Brad Moore had. Can you see that? This is a flat cap Ooh, with Scarlet's badge on it. I can't. I've got my headphones on, so it doesn't fit. But yes, this I'll be wearing this, and I've got a Scarlet scarf as well. I'm going to be taking. So I'm going to hopefully going to be going Scarlet at the at the side of the pitch and hopefully get some attention on myself. So uh, are, are, is there, is anybody not predicting a Scotland win? No, Scotland are going to win. Yeah, by ten. By ten. Ooh, that's a close game. We haven't seen Scotland's team yet. Um, I'm, I don't. I'm not sure if Scotland really has the has a B team. You know, I think they just go full strength every time. Anyway, first try score. I'm going to go Darcy Graham uh, because he's my favourite Scotland player. And every time I see him play, there's a voice in my head that goes, "He's a bit like Shane Williams." And there's another voice in my head that goes, "You can't say things like that, Hugh." So, <laughs> sorry. Um, You're going to be well, hunted in Scotland if you one day go to Scotland. You're going to be so <laughs> hunted in this... Scotland. I, 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 I'm mean about Scotland all the time, Francisco. So I'm already fully going to be number one. <laughs> right, Wales versus Australia. I can't call this. You guys have to tell me what, which way it's going to go because I, I can't. I I have learned not to back Wales through my life. So okay, you guys, you guys have to convince me that we're going to win. For me, Wales win comfortably. I think Australia are, uh, you know, they're not in a good place. When was the last time uh, we won comfortably? We, we never like, win comfortably. Based based on us, Australia's form to date, and yeah, I just think Wales would be yeah, they'd be more up for it. And um, look, that look where Wales are now. I think yeah, I think it's going to be Wales victory by ten points. I'm backing myself. Australia in a bad in a bad space, and Gatton will have Wales in a good space. I think for this game, it'll be yeah, the tactics won't be pretty, but they'll do the job. What do you think, Francisco? I agree with you. 
I think it's always a close game, but if uh, Wales go down to the last 15 minutes on the lead by 10 points or five points, the Wallabies going to lose their their focus and going to try silly things, and the Wales will do exactly what they did against Fiji. Just wait, wait, and then pounce, and then it's done. Uh, if if the Wallabies bring Tupu and Skelton to the match, if they are not 100% fit, it's going to backfire, like backfire in their faces, and they'll and they won't have a, a chance. I think Wales at the moment has a powerful loose forwards, and the scrum is purring. Uh, you played against one of the best scrums in the World Cup this year, is, was against Fiji, and you made uh, something out of it. So I would, I am with with, with Enda. I'm back out. I back the Wales. Okay, I'm going to go Josh Adams to score the first try because Josh Adams is a big game player. Jack Morgan, he... man. Jack Morgan. Jack the Hitman Morgan. Oh. Jack Morgan creates the try. So Jack Morgan He's runs 99% of the way to the line and then passes it to someone else to score. Just out of the goodness All right, you talked me into it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have a choice. <laughs> Come on, 13 right. cap in five tries. Of course, he's going to st- score against Australia. Okay, I think that's the end of the round, so I don't want to go too far. So I think mm-hmm. that's the last game of the weekend. Cool. Right. And then on to the fantasy team. I've taken it. I'm going to be real with the listeners. There's a lot of team announcements that are going to come out between us recording this and when the games are played. So this is going to change. But for the sake of the pause, let's go with it. So. Francisco, I'm going to pick my favourite Portugal player to play in the centres. I'm going to pick Appleton. Uh, I've been desperate to get him in the team um, ever since we started doing this. I watched him play uh, in the warm-up games and I, I love the way he carries himself. So he, he for me, is the player that I'm bringing in. You want an advice? I can give you a good advice for this match, if you want to. Okay. Change Werte. Change Werte. For Nicola Martins. He's a Chile player, right? Yeah. A Portuguese player. No, no, no. Portuguese oh. player. Ma- Ma- okay. Nicola Martin. I call him Martins, but it's Martin. This one. He's listed as a lock. He's, he's a loose forward. Hmm. It's cheating. Okay. I don't care about cheating. <laughs> no, that's okay, but um, I think... There's a lot of players who are kind of in the wrong positions. There was a list that went round on on Twitter yeah. about the best players in Ma- the back row. Marta, for example. Fun. Yeah. Marta's wing is his list as a center. Ah. Okay. Right. Um, again, so uh, if anyone's not familiar from with Francisco, Francisco's got a YouTube channel where he's been doing uh, introductions to some of the European teams. And Francisco, what was the amazing stat about the Georgia captain and uh, him, his record for the Black Lion. Oof. Talking about Tapatazi? Sorry. The the one where it's about his uh, no. record when he plays for Black Lion. Ah, uh, no, that's Sharikadze, the center. Sharikadze won't, won't give you more, many points, uh, unfortunately, okay. uh, because most of his work is assisting or doing the invisible work, like I say. Um, if I was for the Georgia, I don't know the team because I don't know if even even Ashville is going to play from the start. I think he's he has a place, but let's wait. Um, Gorgas is going to play surely. Gorgas is going to play, yeah, but 
it's going to be targeted for the from the first minute. And he's not he's a very good tackler, but he's not going to be the guy who's going going to make more tackles. That's even even Ashvili. Okay. Right, let's go even Ashvili then. Oh, I can I can give you the price also. Uh, hooker, Mamukashvili against Portugal normally scores at least one try. The hooker. You have Bonami. Okay. It's, it's a good it's a good shot. It's a good shot. No, don't don't change it. Yeah. Okay, don't change it. The 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 team's just gone funny. Something I'm gonna to to reload the page. Ah, uh, my team's reset. Okay. Uh, we're gonna to have to abandon this bit. I'm afraid the whole team's completely crashed. Um. I needed, and uh, I, uh, one thing that I do remember that uh, I need is a fly half. The D Max probably not going to be playing in this game. Um, so, oh no, because New Zealand aren't New playing Zealand this round. Play, so yeah. I, I need a new fly half. So who are we going? Bigger. For? You, you know well that that's not a question. Like you know well who I'm going to pick. So you, you're going for your man Johnny. Mm-hmm. He's going to get Crowley. injured. He's going to score. I feel like he's going to score again. He's going to score so, a try. It's going to be brilliant. I can't wait. So Ben Smith has been riling people off on Twitter today, talking about Ben Smith, the, the journalist, not the former yeah. All Black, um, talking about how Australia are going to be trying to injure Johnny Sexton from mini, minute one. Um, and I can see that, to be honest. I can see uh, who am I thinking. Is it? So here's a hypothetical to you, Ender. Is it worth getting a red card for injuring Johnny Sexton because of the team that Ireland are without him? Francisco shaking no, his head. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't like to, to think about those things. And like one thing as well on Sexton, he's a tough man. Like he's well able to, like he's been targeted his entire career. And as a reason he gets uh, hit late, it's because he plays the ball to the line. He's not afraid. And he always gives that pass at the last second. That's why he gets smashed. And he'll be fine. He'll, he'll get on with it like he always does. Um, and I think if teams and I think refs know that he's targeted and um, and hopefully the ref is on top of teams hitting him late. I have no problem with teams hitting him like they're committed or whatnot, but he's a tough dude. He'll be fine. I, I just this is bringing up a memory for me as a Scarlets fan when we played Leinster in the Pro 14 final and James Davis did like the most marginal, softest, latest hit on Johnny Sexton ever. Like it was nothing. And the TMO comes in, check, check. And the. They get there's a late shot on Sexton on the halfway line. Sexton boots it down into the 22 and Leinster score off a driving ball. I'm so pissed off. <laughs> that that's what it's like supporting Welsh teams in the URC, guys. Anyway, right. So that's the end of that. So now I think we're we're on an advert break, right? This is the this is the we end are, break. We are indeed. End of, take so us to the pause. end. <laughs> um. So for audio. Listeners, apologies, we are going to a break now. Uh, but for our YouTube viewers, you can keep going with no ads. Uh, so with this does move us on to our Tier 2 roundup. Uh, Francisco, is club rugby being played in Portugal currently? Uh, currently, no. It's going to start in the next couple of weeks uh, with our okay. uh, uh, top 10, how we call it, the second division and third division. In the men's side, the women's also starts in October. Okay. And when does the Europe Super Cup start? December this year is going to be very November to December. It's going to be very quick this this year just five games for each team. So wow. the pool said you're going to play free the um, they are into pools. There's the what I call the Kings pool, which is the four top teams and the other pool is the novices or the ones that last season did perform well. So three teams from the top, from the King pool will 
go to the quarterfinals. The best team from the novice going to also go to the quarterfinals. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because Black Lion players will, will need to rest. Uh, Louisiana players will need to rest. So I think the Spanish and um, the Iberians and uh, Tel Aviv Heat do have a good shot of uh, making to the to the final this year. But we'll be covering it on this pod, so everyone should stay tuned because we'll be covering it. And we'll also be doing a deep dive on Black Line at some point because they're playing in the Challenge Cup this year and they're playing against the Scarlets. So I'm looking forward to that. They're playing um, everything. Curry Cup, Challenge Cup. Are they in the Curry Cup again? I th- there were talks. They were going to be kicked out. They were going to resign. And now I'm hearing that maybe they're going to play some games. It's strange. It's a very strange situation. Oh. It's such a great story. We don't have time to go into it this year, but their story of them in the Curry Cup is such a cool story. Anyway, um, speaking of the Scarlets, as I like to do, uh, they played a game this weekend. They played against the Barbarians. Uh, the Barbarians have been touring the UK. So they they beat Northampton Saints quite heavily. They beat Bristol Bears quite heavily. And they've got Harlequins uh, coming up this week coming. But the Scarlets became the first team to beat the Barbarians on tour. So well done to the to the lads. Rob Evans and Aaron Shingler both played for the Barbars uh, against their former team, the Scarlets, and Rob Evans scored a try as well. So it was a great day out. Unfortunately, it wasn't televised. Uh, there was no way of watching it, but I'm uh, told by everyone who was there that it was a great day out. And it was the Phil Bennett rem- Memorial game as well. So they had a big number 10 carved into the centre circle. So that was nice. Uh, and everyone enjoyed it. On to the Pro Day de. Um Vaughn is still top. Uh, uh, they could only draw, though, with... Um, uh, the pronunciations for these Beziers Bezier Bezier yeah Bezier. Bezier Bezier so they drew so that's three draws there was two draws last week and another draw this week so which is quite unusual um, quite a high number of draws going around at the moment mm-hmm. um, Provence are only one point behind them as well so it's quite tight at the top uh, Beeritz uh, sitting bottom Beeritz won their first game but the stories coming out of that club is is, is a bit of a crazy show at the top of the club no, with lots of this. things going yeah. on um, so yeah, so unfortunately things aren't going that well. Now on to NPC. So Ender, we've made a concerted effort, a concerted effort on this pod to follow the NPC as closely as possible. It's proving tricky. Why is this league so so difficult to 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 follow as a as a product? Yeah, I think we discussed this briefly. Like for me, like on social media, like we all saw those clips, didn't we? Of you know the All Blacks. Uh, the official Allbacks Twitter account posting that there was like the Allbacks weren't playing and now there was very little rugby on in general that weekend. Yet the 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 NPC was continuing and and it was just sad to see. And then of course a lot of the NPC clubs accounts just you know reminded everyone that the NPC is continuing and and it's yeah it's poor timing first of all especially during the uh, World Cup. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And it's still going ahead. But from from an Irish and UK perspective, um, it's, yeah, like... Like Sky Sports does not push this competition at all, even though they have the rights and they show between two and three games. 
a week. Uh, but it's just it's just quite frustrating because like they're they're great games. You see a lot of you see All Blacks, you see um, you know former All Blacks. Like it's it's a great competition, I think. Um, like it is a step down from Super Rugby, but it's still exciting to watch. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's it doesn't seem to be in a good place. Um, so let's kind of watch the space. But like a lot of people, like whenever I post about the NBC, it gets zero traction. Um, there just doesn't seem to be the interest even from the the broadcaster. So I'm not sure. We'll keep covering it, I think. But yeah, it's it seems to be a very yeah. difficult league uh, just to simply follow, like yeah, even the official being, account. Yeah, there being 14 teams in it as well just makes it so confusing. And they they have like two game days a week, so they play on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And you mm. like we try and post the results, but we forget like oh crap, there was a npc game on today and obviously in the uk it's while we're all either at work or commuting to work so it's just a bit of a nightmare but like i say we'll keep doing our best wellington at top still there unbeaten um canterbury tasman and taranaki in second third and fourth are all separated by two points and then auckland are only two points further back from that so it's it's still tight at the top uh it's an exciting league and then uh southland sadly are still lagging behind winless at the bottom what else we got mate so in terms of the the welsh premiership um landovery uh landovery i should say uh maintained their perfect start to the season as the b ponty uh was newport scored a big away win to orgy c and uh, now i think the big one i really wanted to to bring up was the english prem cup so the premiership cup which is continuing and we've seen tnt sports in ireland and, and the uk make its uh, rugby debut um, so they've been showing one game per weekend. Um, but this past weekend, in terms of overall results, we saw Jersey, who beat Bath, as we predicted, which is, and yeah, I don't know if either of you guys have seen uh, the pictures or any any coverage of this game. There was a massive crowd. It, it's great to see Bath, even even last season playing in the Premiership, like even though they weren't doing well, they were sitting close to bottom um, at times, even at bottom, and they still always get a great uh, crowd. So I love to see that. Um, but yeah, it was great to see uh, Bersie, uh, Jersey beat them. Uh, Coventry drew with Quinns. Uh, Ealing made it uh, two wins in a row uh, versus Premiership opposition, and they beat Bristol. Um, and things are not going well for uh, the Prem. So there are rumours uh, reported in the Telegraph of a revolt brewing within the RFU. Uh, which will keep tabs on uh, going forward. Who knows how true they are, but yeah, hopefully it all, all will be revealed soon. And that actually brings us to the end of our tier two roundup. Um, and just moving on kind of quickly to the TV guide. I won't go through everything this week. I will just, we all know the Rugby World Cup is coming up. So the full uh, fixture list will be with you guys tomorrow and where you can watch it and at what times. Uh, but just to bear in mind as well, there is NPC action this weekend on Friday and on Saturday mornings. Uh, the Foster Rock Super Series is back as well on Friday and on Saturday, I should say, actually. And um, so keep an eye out uh, on the Twitter page for that information tomorrow. And that brings us to the end. Uh, first thing I wanted to say is a massive thanks to, to Francisco. You've been an absolute yeah, pleasure to have on and uh, hopefully you, you won't. Uh, hopefully this isn't the last time we have you on put it that way but yeah honestly yeah thanks a million you've uh yeah you've been brilliant i i hope it's not the last time because i really enjoy it uh, coming coming here for the first time and um i heard your podcast like four or five times and and it was good when you sent me the invitation on i think it was on saturday or sunday it 
I'm because I'm mixing the two days because it's completely uh, mind-boggling <laughs> the that weekend. It's not a blo- it's all mashed up and so on. But when I got the the message, I was so happy, and it doesn't matter if it's BBC or Sport TV in Portugal with you. I just love to talk with people and. When are nice people and knowledgeable like you, for me, it's perfect. So it's never a bother. I have all the time in the world to talk to you. And it, for me, was a lot, one of one time life experience that I hope to do again in the near future. You're too kind, sir. Thank you so much for joining and, and sharing us your insight and, and giving us things that will educate us better. And I'm sure uh, if anybody's not following Francisco, either on Twitter or on YouTube, you, you are not fully educated on rugby in my opinion so please give him a search there'll be links to all of his stuff in the description below uh and check his stuff out okay guys well thank you so much for listening slash watching uh just do it all again next week have a great week thanks everyone thanks sports social podcast network